The emergency room has long been an entry point for medical care for the seriously injured, young parents with a sick child, and increasingly poor, uninsured Americans with nowhere else to turn. But policymakers and lawmakers increasingly see the emergency room as less like those depicted on shows like Grey's Anatomy as a place for patients to abuse the system and run up costs. You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Andrew Sama. Dr. Sama is vice president of the American College of Emergency Physicians, an association that he has been a member of and held leadership posts for more than two decades. He is from Manhasset, New York, and is currently vice president of emergency services for the North Shore Long Island Jewish Health System. He is also chairman of the Department of Emergency Medicine at North Shore University Hospital and chief of the emergency medicine department at Huntington Hospital. A graduate of Columbia University, Dr. Sama earned his medical degree from Cornell University Medical College. We're so happy to have him join us from his offices in New York. Dr. Andrew Sama, welcome to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Thanks, Bruce. This is just another thing we constantly hear as a gentleman. I've written about healthcare for many years now, and now we're, you know, resources are tight, and we see state Medicaid programs looking for places to cut. And you're going to tell us a little bit about some of these, what lawmakers probably see as innovative, but I don't know if emergency doctors see this, like in South Carolina, for example, where legislators are going so far as saying, you know what, we'll put call boxes in Medicaid patients' homes so they can get 24-hour care from a nurse and not have to go to the ER. Tell us a little bit about what's going on out there and what we should be concerned about. Well, I think we're all familiar with the struggles we're all having economically, particularly as it relates to health care expenditures and state and federal budgets. I mean, nobody can say that that's an easy problem to approach, and we as emergency physicians certainly think it's something that has to be addressed, and we're going to participate in whatever we can to help solve the problem. But I think you have to put this in a little bit of context. And one is, you know, we as emergency physicians probably represent a very small portion of the overall nation's healthcare expenditures. I mean, in particular, we're spending maybe 2% of the healthcare money in the United States in emergency care. And if you look at it critically, we are objectively providing 38 to 40% of the acute care visits in the nation. So from my perspective, I think that's a lot of value. Now, how people translate that we are expensive related to those figures is hard for me to understand. And I'll give you a little bit of an example. So everybody says, well, we don't want Medicaid patients going to the emergency department for non-emergency issues. Well, you know what? I'm in agreement with that. We don't want anybody coming to the emergency department for non-emergency issues. But the Center for Disease Control, their last center of data that they published suggested that there's maybe 8 to 9% of the patients who present overall to emergency departments across the country have what they would consider to be non-urgent visits that could be seen, uh, you know, couple days later. Now, the way I do the math, that means that we got a grade of 91 or 92. Well, where my daughter goes to school, that's an A or an A minus. That's not too bad. Let's take South Carolina, for example. Legislators there have gone so far as to advocate putting call boxes, if you will, in homes of Medicaid patients. So they have 24 access to nurses or another health professionals in hope 
that they will get medical advice they need and avoid the emergency room altogether. Number one, what are your thoughts on that? And number two, would that even reduce emergency visits? Because, you know, there could be situations where people aren't going to be in their home when they need these things. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think that interesting and innovative approaches to solving this problem should be employed. If you're heavy-handed and say that you're not allowed to go to the emergency department for A, B, and C to folks who maybe can't necessarily judge when would be a good time to go or not, that's probably not a good thing and not in the patient's best interest. But if you use phone, internet, case management, patient-centered medical homes, federally qualified health centers, and all the things that are you know, either available today or evolving in the market to try to mitigate some of the Medicaid expense that everybody thinks is being generated in the emergency department, although I am personally not convinced that's where the bulk of the expense is in this area. Yeah, we're going to help and we're going to participate in getting people plugged into those models so that if a patient-centered medical home or a federally qualified health center or a call center or service that's staffed by a physician or a nurse who's qualified to give good advice about what you can and can't do and what you should and shouldn't do related to your health care on an off hour with an acute onset, that'd be great. The jury's still out on those. I mean, you know, the patient-centered medical homes, I think if you talk to people about the value and quality of those, I think that they're evolving. They can actually decrease ED visits, but it means you have to be open in the evening and on weekends. That's a good point. I mean, we have a whole array of new models, nurse practitioners in Walgreens or CVS, Walmart, open later hours. Primary care physicians' offices, by and large, are not open late hours. I mean, are any of these new models cutting down the business and emergency departments? I think the easiest way to answer the question is to follow the data because, you know, otherwise I'm giving you a subjective opinion. So if I think you're right. I think that the development of urgent care centers across the nation has, in the last 20 years, have blossomed and are seeing lots of patients. Primary care doctors are working longer hours and are open more and are seeing more patients. Mid-level providers are facilitating providing care for minor issues all over the country as well. And patient-centered medical homes and federally qualified health centers are financially advantaged programs that the government is supporting and providing with resources to do exactly what we're describing. So if you say that that's correct and we're all, we are all doing the right things, and by the way, there are private companies that are emerging to deal with patients who are insured or want to pay cash, for example, to do the same thing as these five things that we just described that are occurring over the last 20 years and increasing in volume and quality over the last 20 years. So let's put that in context. It turns out that despite all that, the number of ED visits is increasing. Those are the facts. The reason being, number one, people are living longer. Number two, the average age of the patient in the country is getting older. As the baby boomer numbers swell and Medicare increases considerably, the, the number of people with complex and chronic and multiple health problems is going to continue to increase, and those people are not easy to take care of over the phone. The other thing is that people haven't recognized that there are many young people with congenital, acquired, and or genetic disorders who, you know, 30 years ago would never make it to age 40 
who are now living till 40, 50, 60 years old, they also require significant advanced care, which is complex, that requires consultation and advanced imaging and other things that you can't get in a standard doctor's office on a routine basis, nine to five. Even at a federally qualified health center, you can't take care of somebody like that. So, I mean, there are a lot of reasons that ED visits are going to increase. If you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Andrew Sama. He is the Vice President of the American College of Emergency Physicians, and we're talking about how emergency departments are getting criticized. It's a time that states, federal government, they're trying to cut their budget for health care. They look at this as a potential cost where people need to be educated and perhaps guided elsewhere. But the American College of Emergency Physicians says these patients are in the emergency department because they need to be there. And Dr. Sama is just telling us about how there are emergency departments, quite frankly, have more services available than some of these other models propping up, such as uh, nurse practitioners in a Walgreens and urgent care clinics and so forth. And doctor, if you could just pick it up there. Sure. We were chatting about how the government suggests that the real solution or the panacea to our health care problem is going to be to decrease the number of ED visits. And we all know that as we extend more insurance to patients, which I think is a great thing and we should be doing, and I think that the Cannibal Care Act extending insurance to people who couldn't afford it before or for those who were excluded for pre-existing conditions is a really terrific thing. But the number of ED visits is going to increase. That's actually well-known. I mean, if you look at the Massachusetts experience where universal health care was established years ago, the perception was that the ED visits were going to go down. Well, it turns out that there's not enough primary care providers to really service those patients. The wait to see a primary care doctor doubled in Massachusetts, and the number of ED visits went up 9-10%. So I think we have a lot of objective information that actually supports the value of the service we're providing. Well, what about a model? They've talked about this other places. It's like if you have an emergency room, people are coming there because they don't know where to turn. A lot of emergency doctors tell me, listen, we end up doing a lot of triage and we end up telling people, you know, they don't necessarily be here. Why couldn't they just attach a less expensive clinic to the emergency room and do it that way? Some places have done that. And has that been effective? In certain locations, it has been effective. I think in places where you have lots of folks coming in, when you have a large or a significant percentage of patients coming in with primary care complaints that don't have access, and you have an attached clinic, that does help solve some of the problem. Where are these places? I don't know offhand. I mean, I can tell you at University of Tennessee Chattanooga, for Mm -hmm. example, because one of our president-elect of the American College of Emergency Physicians, Dave Seberg, runs the emergency department down there with his crew. You know, they had uh, lots of children who were underinsured or uninsured coming to the emergency department for routine visits. So they set up a federally qualified health center on the premises, reasonably adjacent to the emergency department, where they've actually, you know, when folks come in, they obviously screen them because you have to, by federal law, screen patients to Mm -hmm. make sure that they're well enough to go to the clinic. And then they send them over, and then once they recognize, they can get continuity of care there and, you know, routine pediatric care at the FQHC, then going forward, they have been informed and they're educated and that's who their doctor is and that's how it gets taken care of. So that has helped. I don't know that their number of visits in the ED are going down because of that, but they are certainly giving people who require primary care access a better option. 
an option where they're going to see their doctor on a regular basis. That works really well. But, you know, getting back to the data, that's only 8% of the patients mm-hmm. that we see. You had mentioned that in Massachusetts where they have universal health care, that there's a lot of schools of thought out there. You give everybody health care that they won't go to the emergency room because they'll have access to primary care doctors. They'll have access to medications. They'll be able to do this and that and the other thing. But you said that there was an influx of folks into emergency rooms in Massachusetts. Was that because there was a lot of pent-up demand for health care, or why did that happen? Oh, I think because there's a workforce shortage. I think that you don't have enough primary care doctors, number one. And I think, number two, that the average, the, the routine times that primary care scheduled visits are available or even urgent visits are available are 9 to 5 Monday to Friday. The way I do the math, that only covers about 30% of the week. So there's a school of thought out there. that So emergency physician groups advocating for patients who they want convenient care and policymakers, lawmakers, and insurance companies who see emergency department visits as expensive and mostly unnecessary. What do these folks say to the emergency physicians when you meet with them? I mean, is there a way to meet halfway on this? or is I think if they're speaking to somebody who's knowledgeable, they're not going to describe emergency medicine the way you just described it because they know we're not going to be in agreement with that and we have you know, factual information that actually is not consistent with that position. I mean, that's, if you talk, you know, there's a difference between taking, a, you know, a PR and having a negotiating position and fact. You know, the facts are there aren't a lot of unnecessary visits. We've documented that. The Center for Disease Control has. They go through AD records across the country every year and come up with a number saying how many uh, they, quote, feel are unnecessary. They, and over the last four or five years, it's gone from 12% to 8%. So, I mean, you know, it's great that you're taking that position and you feel that way and, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but that's just not factual. Well, it would seem to me that given that there is the law, they have to be treated once they go to an emergency room. Yeah, and that's a good thing, actually. Giving people access to care is a good thing, and we're happy to be there, whether they have insurance or they don't. By the way, one thing nobody talks about is that we, as emergency physicians, care for all those people who don't have insurance to the tune of... If you do the math, $134,000 worth of care per year per emergency physician to provide care for MTALA services. You know. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Andrew Sama, who has been our guest. We've been talking about the fate of the emergency department in days where cost-cutting seems to be the order of the day. And we'd like to thank Dr. Sama for joining us. He's the vice president of the American College of Emergency Physicians. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and you've been listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please check us out at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.